But I'm going to go straight into the word. Are you guys ready? All right, cool, cool, cool. Let's go. Turn with me to the book of John chapter 18, and I'm going to be reading from verses 28 through to 40. John chapter 18, I'm going to read from verse 28 through to chapter 40. And as per usual, I'm going to be reading from the New King James Version. When you're there with me, say I. Just a few of you, I'll give you a few minutes more. John chapter 18. For those of you guys online, hope you guys also are turning with us. Unfortunately, you might not be able to use your Bible apps on your phone because you're using the Instagram Live, but hopefully you have a hard copy Bible to join in with us. John chapter 18, verse 28. Then they laid, sorry, then they led Jesus from Caiaphas to um, to the Petroleum. And it was the early morning. And they themselves did not go into the Petroleum, lest they should be defiled, but that they might eat the Passover. Verse 29. Pilate then went out to them and said, what accusations do you bring against this man? They answered and said to him, If he was an evildoer, he would not have delivered himself up to you. And then Pilate said to them, You take him and judge him according to your law. Therefore the Jews said to him, It is not lawful for us to put anyone to death. That they said of Jesus might be fulfilled, what they said was of Jesus might be fulfilled, which he spoke, signifying by what death he would die. Verse 33. Then Pilate entered the Praetorium again, called Jesus and said to him, Are you the king of the Jews? And Jesus answered him, Are you speaking of yourself about this? Or do others tell you? Do others tell you this concerning me? Pilate answered, I am the Jew. Your own nation and the chief priests have delivered you to me. What have you done? And Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would fight so that I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now my kingdom is not from here. And Pilate said, therefore, said, therefore to him, are you a king then? And Jesus answered, you said rightly that I am a king. For this cause I was born and for this cause I will come into the earth that I should bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of who hears the truth hears my voice. Verse 38, and Pilate said to him, what is truth? And when he had heard this, he went out again to the Jews and said to them, I find no fault in him at all. Blessed be the word of the Lord. Let me continue to jump down from verse 39 to 40. But you who have custom that I should release someone to you at the Passover, do you therefore want me to release to you the king of the Jews? Verse 40, and they all cried again, saying, not this man, but Barabbas. Now, Barabbas was a robber. Today's sermon is entitled, What is Truth? What is Truth? When I was thinking of this sermon, I had a few things that I felt the Holy Spirit laid on my heart to share today from what is truth to the great exchange, to paid in full. But hopefully, I'm sure those two other sermons I'll share with you at a later date. But you'll see that there is a a thread that runs through this theme of how I'll be sharing that with you today. What is truth? 
Before I, I dive in and I look at what the dictionary tells us a little about truth, I want to share with you experiences that I've had connected to truth. I remember growing up in my wonderful household and I had a, a junior brother who was six years my junior. And I don't know if you guys have ever been in those situations when your mum or dad or parents have gone out and they said that they're going out to buy something and they've given you some house rules and house chores to do. Has anyone been there when they've given you some house chores to do? And um, yeah, mum said, make sure you go and wash the kitchen and clear the living room. Our living room was literally, I don't know, probably around about 20, 20 feet from the main door, about that. So as soon as my mum knocks or opens the door, turns the key, sometimes if any of you guys have ever watched Dragon Ball Z, it seems like you're moving at super speed in order to tidy up the place. And this one occasion when my mum used to go out, me enjoying the wonderful WWF, not WWE. It was the real life wrestling, not the fake stuff that we see nowadays. And then during that time, me and my wonderful brother, who once again was six years my junior, we began to play a little bit. They said, don't try this at home. But since we lived in a council flat, I didn't classify that as a house, but more so a flat. Using the settee, getting my brother, turning him upside down, tombstone. I'm still surprised how his neck is intact. Pedigree, for those that know the pedigree. Stoko stunner, rock bottom, and everything alike. He cries at times, and I used to say, shh, shh, I'll buy you chocolate, I'll buy you chocolate, don't say nothing, okay? And if my dear brother, if you're watching online, please forgive me. And many of the times when mom went out, and I'll hear the key, mom's coming, mom's coming, quickly, quickly, tidy up, quickly, tidy up. And as we continue just to pack everything away, we're not actually cleaning, but we are hiding. We're moving stuff underneath carpets. We're putting toys behind the settee and we're just making it look presentable. And as he's doing it, and I'm counting the 20 yards from the main door to the living room, I quickly rush to the kitchen. I quickly put all the plates inside the sink. I run the tap water. Mum say, you haven't started yet. Oh, mum, I was just soaking it because it was a bit like the plates were a bit tough. Like, the, yeah. So, okay. But unfortunately, on one particular occasion, mum comes home. As I'm operating and I'm presenting myself as the commentator off the ropes and he's got him yeah and I believe I've got half of my spider sense focused on the main door so I can hear when my mom enters she was standing at the living room door with one eye I don't know if you've ever been in that situation where you could sense the presence of somebody but you know there's only two of you in the house where it's you and your brother but there's something within me that's saying that there is more than two of us in this place and as I continue to operate on my wonderful wrestling moves in order to perfect the art and craft of wrestling, I hear a knocking on the door. Mum walks in and says, oh, how are you doing? I said, how are you doing, Mum? She said, what was you doing? I said, oh, no, I was just tidying up. Oh, you was tidying up? Yeah, yeah, I was tidying up. You sure you was tidying up? Oh, yeah, mum, look, look, we're just tidying up. And, yeah, my brother Lex was in the way. I just had to push him out of the way. So if you heard any banging, I will just tell him, like, hurry up, we need to be fast because of you, mum. We need to make sure the house is presentable for you, mum. And if any of you guys have wonderful traditional West African family parents like mine, you'd realise that there are two dangers in a parent. When they say a lot or when they say nothing. The smirk arose from her face. <laughs> okay, continue. 
the words continue is rhetoric, so do not continue what you are doing because if you continue what you're doing, all you're doing is believing that there is soon to be a capital punishment that is soon to come your way. As I decided to walk past her in order to make my way to the kitchen, faster than the Dragon Ball Z, which me and my brother slash wrestling was practicing, came across my face. I did not see it coming. But a moment of truth took place in my life and the words with what my mom said to me is, why did you lie to me? Why did you lie to me? And I'm trying to dodge, and if any of you guys have ever been in such experiences, the moment that you block, so now you want to fight me. <laughs> you see, the issue with, that I had with my mom on that day wasn't the fact that I wasn't tidying up, was the fact that I lied. There was an eyewitness at the door and she pretended that she wasn't there and she still decided to knock. Why did you lie to me? You see, we say many times that the truth hurts, but we forget that even the truth in the word of God also heals. We say many times that, you know what, even on wedding days, we hear the vows for better or for worse, for richer or for poorer, in sickness and in health, till death do us part. And many of the times we say, I do, to say that I will stand by this truth. And many times we see in relationships where people are heartbroken because they found out that the person that they loved, that they thought would be loyal to them, has broken something that we deem to be in the truth. Many of us, some of us have had contracts and insurances and agreements, and then we find out that, oh, Oh, my phone is broken. I need to replace. Oh, sorry. We can't give you a new phone. You need to do this. Why? But I've got, I've got an agreement. I signed this with you. Yeah, but you didn't read the small print. And we see here where people have manipulated the truth. The truth. This challenging thing, the truth. And what do we see here when we look back and see where Pilate has a conversation with Jesus? We see that there are multiple interesting things that I find in the verses here from verse 28 onwards, because what I find, that's, what I find so powerful in these, in these verses, really from looking from verse 31 onwards, is that we see that the Jews judged Christ and wanted him dead for many things, but in one of the major things for blasphemy, claiming to be God. Claiming to be God. They sent him over to Pilate. But, but I, see nothing, I see nothing wrong with this man. I see no, I, I see no fault in this man. Yeah, but, yeah, we, we, st- we still want it done. Like, make it happen. But I see no fault in this man. But if there's one thing I've realized in life that every single one of us in this world don't only want to live by the truth, but we want people to tell the truth to us. We don't like it when our friends lie about us. We don't like it when our spouse or the people that we're in relationships do us wrong. We don't like it when people act as if they're telling us the truth. But as we know, if you give us an element of the truth of a little bit of a lie, you've still given us a lie mixed with the truth. We see what is deception is to give somebody a little bit of the truth, twisted enough that it manipulates them to not know what the full truth is. The truth. But what does Pilate do that I find that is so profound? He tells us in the latter verses, in the latter verses, what does he go and tell us? He tells us that, but what is truth? But Pilate does something that every single one of us in today's times do all of the time. Pilate walks away. 
Probably the first and only time in scripture where he asks, but what is the truth? And he walks away. I wonder in the dialogue that Pilate was having with Christ, if he stayed long enough just to hear the answer to that question, maybe this could have led towards maybe his salvation. Maybe there could have been a change in his heart. Maybe there could have been something different. Maybe not necessarily in the decision he was about to make then, but in our heart's change that can now change the course of his and family's history. But he walked away. What is truth? I love what we see here in the latter verse where Jesus tells us those, everyone who is of the truth hears my voice in verse 37. That NIV says everyone on the side of truth listens to me. The ESV says everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. The question I ask us today is are we listening to God's truth? Are we listening to the world's truth? In a culture of today where many people say, but this is my truth. This is my truth. And our people's level of relativism has now been to the optimism by what they live by. They believe that their personal truth is the ultimate truth. And unfortunately, a world of relativity means that there is no objective truth. And where there is no objective truth, people do things in their own accord. We're living in a time and in an age where people have chosen to neglect the truth, neglect the word turned their back on God and said that I don't need you. I want to do things my way. I want to do things according to the way I feel and the way I want. But here's what I find quite profound and also very, very interesting within this. We see in verse 35 it says that your own nations have delivered you onto us. Jesus' people gave him up to Pilate. The Romans. The people that even though they had their own practices, they wanted to make sure that if we are going to execute this man, there needs to be a, a real, there needs to be right ground for us killing such a man who Pilate deemed to be an innocent. We also see further down that where Pilate was doing some of these things here, what I also find quite interesting if you look at verses 39. Verses 39 is very interesting here to me. Why? Because it says, but you have a custom that I should release someone to you at the Passover. Do you therefore want me to release to you the king of the Jews? Verse 40. And they cried again. They all cried again saying, not this man, but Barabbas. And what does it tell us? It says, but Barabbas was a robber. If you go and do further study on this, you realize that Barabbas was more than a robber. Barabbas was a rebel. He was literally one that was there to bring destruction and challenge and literally brings so much problems to the community. And you think back to seeing that the people where Jesus, this innocent man, they were willing to substitute him for somebody that was going to bring trouble in their life. How many times have we neglected the truth to hold on to something that is going to bring more problems in our life, but in the beginning it feels pleasurable? How many times have we told ourselves that we're going to turn our back on this thing called the truth, so we can do things according to our own accord. Because you know what? Sometimes the truth is so solid. Sometimes it's so objective. Our flesh doesn't want to incline ourselves to it because we love the darkness all too well. The truth. The truth. Some things tell us where it says, the truth is the quality or state of being, of something being true, in which is true or in accordance in a fact or a reality, the truth. A fact or belief that is accepted as true. 
when I was looking at various dictionary examples, I found it very interesting how they had to put the word truth or true within the very examples that they were trying to justify to us. Truth is something that we can't escape. We can deny it, we can turn our back on it, but it's always there. The truth is some things that we choose to put to death. How many of you guys where the Holy Spirit may have convicted you and you know the right thing to do? You know the right thing to do, but you almost sometimes want to bend that truth so you can do things according to your own accord. Do things in a way that suits you, but in the long term you look back and you're like, why did I do it that way? Why did I do things in that particular manner? And when we look at the Greek word for truth, it's eletheia, which tells us that it is, it's not only a truth, it means straightforwardness, sincerity, reality, the truth of a true idea. And I was looking at this as straightforwardness. Sometimes the reason why we hate the truth is because it's straightforward. It's straightforward. I don't want to hear it that way. Give it to me mildly. Water it down a little bit. And living in these particular ways has long-term effects on our lives. Why? Because we choose to water down the very thing that wants us to wash us from the sinful things that we find ourselves in. The truth. The Jews were willing to put him to death. John chapter, turn with me to John chapter 8, verse 32. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Some versions say, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. But let's play all along at the moment if it tells us that it shall make you free. Why does the truth make you free? Maybe because within our lifestyles, we've been living in a lie. Maybe because there are certain relationships that God told you to let go and you thought you was free, but you're truly enslaved. But what we do is say, no, no, we try to manipulate the truth to come along with our ways, but we forget how Jesus modeled it. Father, not my will, but your will be done. The objective truth. Why Jesus? Why would it set us free? Why would it make us free? Because I've come to learn the more I look back at life and the more I try to understand this word we call freedom, that even true freedom comes with responsibility. True freedom comes with responsibility. Many people say, I want to be free. I want to be financially free. We even have people that, that say nowadays, I'm not religious. I'm a free spirit. What does that mean? Yeah, I just do things wherever it takes me. I just believe in karma. I just, yeah, what goes around comes around. I believe in vibes and energies. And I'm like, vibes and energies cannot save you when you are free falling. The unfortunate thing about the way that we live in such a world today is that if we do things according to the vibes or the energies or the way we feel alone, without having an objective truth that can lead us to a place of righteousness, we end up falling and being wretched. We end up falling, living a life and making ourselves the idols of what we want. So therefore, there isn't a truth that we follow, but there is a truth that we expect to f- people to follow and for us to follow within ourselves. But what is the truth? Why did they want to crucify Jesus? Why did they want Jesus to die? And why would you want to kill an innocent man, but free a man like Barabbas that is willing to bring destruction and damage to your towns, cities, and communities. Why? Let's quickly look at John 15, verse 5 to 8. I am divine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit, but without me he can do 
nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out like a branch and is withered. And they are and they are sorry, and they gather them and throw them into the fire, and they are burned. Verse seven. And if you abide in me, and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. The problem is many of us say, God, grant me my heart's desires. But we ask for our heart's desires without first abiding in him. And if there's one thing I've always said is that your abide must become your abode. Where you abide must become the house, place that you stay, that you reside, that you live in. Because we say charity begins at home. But also the community of Christ within us is what gives us the alignment for the things that God wants us to do. Because when we abide in him, then we can ask according to the desires that align with him. And then we can truly bear fruit. Verse 8. By this my father is glorified that you bear much fruit. So you will be my disciples. To abide in him and in his word. But guess what? The truth is made up of what? Words. The truth is made up of words. It's made up of words. My mom asked me. So what was you doing? Oh, they were just tidying up. Out of the heart, the mouth speaks. She witnessed. But what was made up of words is what triggered her to react in a way that you wanted to lie to me. If my mama at a young age could do that to me, I wonder how much more so what Christ sees in our lives, in our private lives, when we feel that nobody's there, in our minds, when we're on our phone, when we're in our bedrooms, when it's just us. You see, light and darkness is like the same thing towards God. But the truth shall truly set us free. But before the truth shall set us free, we must first be willing to face and seek the truth. We must be first willing to be honest to the truth. Because I believe that when we're willing to be honest to the truth, then the truth can redeem us from the very things we've made an idol out of our own personal, relativistic type of truth. Galatians chapter 3, verse 13 to 14. And Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. For it is written, the curse is everyone who is hanged on a tree. Verse 14. That the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. But look at the first part. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. How did Christ become a curse for us? Because he was willing to be crucified on a tree. The truth. We live in a world that many days people say, no, but there's many ways to God. It's like an elephant in the room. Some of you guys are holding the ear. Some of you guys are holding the trunk. Some of you guys are holding the feet. Yeah, it's just elephant in the room. All the religions are the same. No. Do not believe such a lie because fundamentally all the religions are not the same. Where most of the religions are trying to get to God, we found the king of kings that came to us. Well, all the religions, not all the religions, but some of the religions might even say that, you know what, do good things and then you can get yourself into heaven. But I always ask people the question, if somebody came to your door that you've probably met in church today, 
that you've never seen. They were just a visitor. They just came for the first time today. And they came to your door at three o'clock in the morning. Say, hi, how you doing? Yeah, I remember I saw you at the Cornerstone Church on a Sunday. I just come to live. What have you got with you? I've got my suitcase. I've been kicked. I just come to live for, for the next 10 years. How many guys are really, really going to say, yeah, welcome. Come here, come and stay with us. How many guys? I know some of you guys are like, yeah, I'm Christian, man. I'm going to let them in. You are just lying to yourself. The truth. But unfortunately, that's what many of us believe of how we treat God. Yeah, but God, I did good things on earth. I, I looked after people. I prayed, I worshipped, I gave tithes and offering. Let me in, let me in. But we forget that it's God's house. And he has not given us a spare key. The truth. The truth. He has redeemed us. He has become a curse for us. The great exchange, the hypostatic union. What do I mean by that? He is fully man and fully God. The mind cannot fathom that. It cannot rationalize that. That Jesus was fully man and fully God. That he had to become fully man in order that he would die in our place. So that when we get to the gates of heaven, we do not enter because of the good deeds. We do not enter because we were great people. We don't enter because it was nice and we had it all together and we posted all the great scriptures on social media. But we got in because we put on the robe of Christ. And unfortunately, one of the greatest deceptions of the enemy, the devil, is told people that, don't worry, you don't need to believe in this Jesus guy. Just do things your way. Do things in your strength. Do things you're cool. There's other people around the world that's never even heard about Jesus. Live your life. Live your life. And the enemy will give you just enough of the truth, but just enough of a lie for you to remain locked out. The truth. The truth. I love what C.S. Lewis put it, how C.S. Lewis put it. He said, if you look for the truth, you may find comfort in the end. If you look for comfort, you may not get either comfort or truth. Only soft soap and wishful thinking to begin and in the end, despair. If you look for the truth, you may find comfort. You may find comfort in the end, which means to some degree that some of us will live for the truth, but do not believe the lie that because you live for the truth, you are fully going to be prosperous on this side of eternity. It is not entirely true. It may happen for some, it may not happen for all. Let's not universalize what some people have preached from the pulpit and unfortunately it's led people down a road where they're like, you know what, I don't even want to follow Christ anymore. I got lied to by one person in the church and they don't want to follow Christ no more. No, let us understand that. Let Jesus, let God be the truth and let everyone else be a liar. The truth, the truth. I love another thing that C.S. Lewis put here. You never know how much you, tr- you really believe in anything until the truth or falsehood becomes a matter of life and death to you. How many of you guys are really, really going to stand on the truth? Stand for the truth. It's fine now as believers. Yeah, 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 I'm a Christian. I go to church this and the other. But what happens if they say, you know what? Yeah, we're going to start giving you guys certain chips or vaccines, or certain things, and we need you to do this, or print this in your ear, or put this on your neck, or put this on your forehead, or put this on your wrist, or put this on your arm. You're like, well, you know, I'm a believer, I'm a Christian, I'm not going to do it. Okay, cool, you don't want to do that, you're not going to eat. Become, it becomes something of truth and falsehood. The, the question I'm asking is that what foundation are you standing on? Because we only truly know the strength of a foundation when it's rocked. When you really know how strong something is, when it's tested. Some of us are going through the test of 2020. But I implore you, saints, as scripture reminds us, when you can do all you can do to stand, then what? Stand. Stand firm in Christ. Stand firm in God. Because when we truly stand 
on Christ and in God, then we could truly change what's happening in our lives and also in the lives of others. The truth. The truth. I'm going to leave you with a few, the last scripture that I wanted us to look at. And it's a scripture that I find quite profound, powerful, as well as poetic. So turn with me to the book of John chapter 1. And I'm going to be reading from John chapter 1 verse through to 14. I love this scripture and I would implore you guys and I'll, I'll challenge you guys to really go over this scripture because there are so many things in this that I feel can help us on this journey of knowing the truth. John chapter 1, verse 1 to 14. And in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God. And the Word, sorry, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him, nothing was made that was made. In him was life, and the light, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness didn't comprehend it. Let me just pause there for a moment. The darkness didn't comprehend it. You know how much this relates to John 18? The Jews, they couldn't comprehend who Jesus was. The light was amongst darkness. But they loved their darkness so much, they wanted to get rid of the light. They were even willing to get rid of the light that even Pilate said, if I get rid of Jesus, who's going to be the other person? Give it free Barabbas. He's even greater darkness than us. Free him. He gives us trouble, but I'd rather have that darkness of Barabbas than having the light of Christ. This blasphemous one calling himself God himself. No, 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 no. Okay. Verse 6. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. This name came for, sorry, this thing came for a witness to bear witness of the light that all through him might believe. He was not the light, but he was sent to bear witness of the light, who is Jesus. Verse 9. That was the true light which gives light to every man coming into the world. Verse 10. He was in the world and the world was made through him and the world did not know him. Jesus was in the world. The world was made through him, Jesus. And the world didn't know him. Furthermore, not only did they not know him, they wanted to kill him. And he came to his own and his own did not receive him, just like we saw in John 18. No, get rid of him. Get rid of Jesus. They saw him. We don't want him. No, get rid of him. Give us Barabbas. Get rid of him. Get rid of the truth. I want to live a lie. I'm enjoying this lie. It's satisfying. It's pleasing to my soul. My flesh enjoys this lifestyle. No. Verse 12. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, to those who believe in his name. Who becomes children of God? Those that believe in Christ. And this is why, unfortunately, I'm going to have to speak some hard truths to many of us today. One of the hard truths is that the world has gone on to say, but we're all children of God. Well, I'll, I'll bring a little bit of a correction to that. We are all God's creation. Because to be a child of God, is to be a believer in Christ Jesus, where you are adopted. You see, adoption is that somebody has to come in. Yeah, I'll, I'll take that one. Yeah, adopted. You are adopted. So to be an adopted child, where Christ and God imputes the righteousness of Christ upon us, 
that's when we now become children. And when we become children, that's when we believe in his name because we call mommy or daddy to the one who adopts us. Christ has adopted us. Verse 13. Who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor even of the will of man, but of who? God. God. Verse 14. And the word became flesh, dwelt amongst us, and we beheld his glory, the, the glory as the one only begotten of the Father, full of grace and what? Truth. Full of grace and what? Truth. Therefore, I ask you guys again, and I end with how I started with the question, what is truth? What is truth to you in your personal life? Where have you said, oh, Jesus, yeah, you can come into this room. You can come into that room. My bedroom. No, 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 no. There's some stuff in there, Jesus. Like, when, I, when I get right, then I'll invite you to that room. No, 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 no. You better just open it. Leave every door unlocked. Give Jesus a free pass to every single room of our lives. Otherwise, some rooms will continue to be living in a lie. And I want us to remember today that Jesus dwelt in the presence of Pilate. And Pilate asked him the very question. What is truth? And he walked away. I pray we don't become saints and people that walk away from God when he wants us to give us the answer to a current problem that we may have in our life. I also want us to understand that there are two major important things here. One of the important things that you need to understand in this here is if when we look at John chapter 18, verse 40, where we're understanding who Barabbas is. Many of us read the story like, oh, that's Barabbas. But we forget that we are all Barabbas. Every single one of us, Barabbas. What do you mean, I'm Barabbas? Now, I'm not a rebel. Yes, you were. Now, I, did, I, I didn't do bad things. Yes, you did. And the powerful thing about this scripture is that even Jesus died for Barabbas the same way Jesus died for us. Another thing I want you to be aware of is this is that what Jesus did where they accepted Barabbas and the great exchange took place, where a man, a rebel, was now made free and Jesus became the substitution for that, is also to understand that the most powerful thing in this world isn't the atomic bomb. The most powerful thing in this world isn't the politicians. The most powerful thing in this world isn't even people that are in power. The most powerful thing in this world is the truth. Marriages are built on it. Families are built on it. Contracts are built on it. The truth. We are seeing things of what we're seeing in places like Nigeria and other parts of the world and what's happened. People are sick and tired of the pain and the problems of what's happening. And now the truth has come out. And when the truth comes out, it makes people retaliate. It makes people realize that we need to break down these pillars. These pillars that lack progress. These pillars that are there to imprison us so that we can find true freedom. And please, every single one of you in this place, if there's one thing I want you to remember is this. That even though many of us have been Barabbas in various seasons of our lives, whether in our junior lives or our present lives, remember this. 
Remember that some of you thought that I'm not good enough. Jesus says you are. Some of you said, oh, I can't go for that job. Jesus says you're worthy. Some of you guys said, but look at my looks. I'm not pretty enough. Jesus says you're made in my image. And we must please be aware that do not listen to the whispers of the enemy's lies that want to take away the light of Christ that wants to live with inside of us. But cling to Christ. Hold on to Christ. Seek Christ. Because when you seek Christ, as I said earlier, the most powerful thing in this world is the truth. But what we forget, the truth is more than words. The truth is the word. And who is the word? The truth is a person. And that person is Christ. Therefore, everything we do in our lives is based on the truth. And if everything we do in our lives is based on the truth, that means what do we do with Christ? What do we do with Christ? Because everything on this side of eternity and that side of eternity is all based on where we put Christ. The world can reject him. The world can seek other religions. But Christ has said, come to me. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except by me. Those words of exclusivity are so key for us to enter the kingdom. But also those words of exclusivity are so key to find out why we were made. For our true purpose is found in him, through him and by him. And when we seek him in truth and in spirit, then we can find true peace, purpose and godly prosperity that he wants for every single person within this vicinity. I pray that every single one of us today will remember where we position Christ and we do not become like Pilate where we ask the question but we leave in pride and ignorance forgetting to hear what he has to say. Let's bow our heads and pray.